Hi, my name's Catherine Mary Stewart, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. Hi, I'm Serena Vincent, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Hello, this is Eleanor Matsura from The Walking Dead, and welcome to Draw One Last Breath, the horror podcast. This is Dan Fogler. You must draw one last breath. Hi, I'm Shauna McDonald, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath podcast. Hi, this is James Jude Courtney, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath horror podcast. Hi, I'm David Naughton, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Beware the moon. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Hi, this is Kane Hodder. You're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Keep listening. Hi, we're the Saskia Sisters. Listen to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. Yeah! Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Paul. On this very, very special episode, episode 50, we never thought we'd get there, we are reviewing We Summon the Darkness, and our Something to Scream About is a very special one that we'll reveal later, and our movie from the vault will be 28 Days Later. Has it been 28 Days since we've been in quarantine. I think it's 37. Yeah. I'm not really yeah, sure. It's been more than 28 days. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. It would be very apt if it was actually 28 days. Be bang on, wouldn't it? Be let's, great. Just, let's just say it has been. Yeah, you know, right. it's been 28 cool. days. So there we... you go. That's the reason why we did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a, there's yeah. a reason for everything, honestly. <laughs> <sighs> right, mate, what's been going on in the last couple of weeks? Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and quite it, a lot of stuff, really. Um, it's been pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I have had a couple. We've, we've done a couple of interviews that we that we will be releasing on later episodes of the pod, uh, which which is very interesting. So watch that space. Yeah, you've I've been, been a busy, hard, busy. You've been a busy, busy boy. I have. I've been trying to sting people while they're in in isolation, so that they can't escape me. Good work. Uh, but yeah, if anybody wants to come on the pod out there that works in the industry, give us a shout. It'd be nice to speak to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what you've been watching? Well, I finally got around to watching um, All ha- All Hallows Eve. Yeah. Um, so that first introduction of Art the Clown, fucking worth a watch, mate. You can see. I know. Where... I really want to see it. I really want to see it because that's the first appearance of him, right? Yes. Can I? Where did I see it? Did I tell you where I saw it? No. No, and do you know what? I can't actually remember. Is that Amazon? It must have been Amazon. I don't think I paid for it. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Amazon Prime. I watched that. So get on, get cracking. Watch that. That was um, definitely worth a shout. It's, it was pretty, pretty, it's really gory. and just It's fun. Mm. It's got the same graininess as uh, Terrifier as well. So, yeah, it's cross. It's sweet. It's, it was decent. And... Also, that's just been released on Netflix, 
which is sort of a thriller that came out in 2018, Breaking In. Do you remember that one that we never went to see? Oh, yeah, we missed it, didn't we? Yeah, I know, yeah. With the mum. Yeah, with with the mum and, uh, like, looking after kids. It was, again, it wasn't bad. It was pretty decent, actually. It's a really good watch. Um, I've heard it got got quite good reviews, actually, when it came out. Yeah, it's a good thriller. Really, really good. Really enjoyed that one. Um, But they're the only two sort of horrors that I've been watching. There's loads of TV series that I've just been, have come out. Afterlife, Ricky Gervais. Peaky Blinders season five, so you know I've been doing lots of other shit. Mm-hmm. What about you? You watched any? Uh, well, so, any so I've been doing a few TV, so I've been doing season three of The Ozark, which I know you've already smashed. Um, so I've been watching that. But horror-wise, I watched Jaws two the other day because <laughs> <laughs> nice. we were FaceTiming, weren't we? And I had it on. Um, that was great to rewatch that because I haven't seen that for years, and it's just good to see it again. Good laugh. Um, I watched a really cool uh, movie called Sequence Break uh, from uh, Graham Skipper, which was which was cool. That that is uh, worth a watch. Um, that, I think that's on um, Shudder, um, so that's really worth watching. It's it's like a really kind of Cronenberg style kind of um, film, but it's got like really kind of an eighties kind of feel to it as well. Nice. Um, with like loads of video games involved and stuff so that was really really cool watch but other than that i haven't really seen much else i've been working hard on on stuff and looking after my kids <laughs> nice mate can you believe we're on episode 50 no i can't Do you all. know what let's let's run it down let's let's have a little chat yeah. about what's happened in the last 50 episodes it almost mm-hmm. two it's almost been two years now yeah. Yeah, since we started the podcast almost. I think um, we've we've. Do you know how many re- movies that we've actually reviewed in the last fifty episodes, including including today's episodes? I have no idea, but I take it you're the man with the stats. I've got some stats. Good man. <laughs> good, good job, someone else. We reviewed seventy four movies. Really? Yeah. In uh, that, that's quite cool. That, that's new movies. That's not included movies from the vault. Really? That's just seventy. 70- oh my god! I thought that was like everything. No. Wow. Movies from the vault. We've reviewed, I think it's like about 44, because we haven't done one for every episode, because we have a couple of specials where we didn't, we dipped out. So we haven't done it. I thought we we always had a movie from the vault. Not, well, it's like 49, I think it is. So there's one, there's one episode where we didn't do it. Really? Yeah. But we've, um, yeah, there was one episode that we didn't do it for. There was, I think, the Fright Fest special 2019. We didn't do it for. Ah, oh, right, okay. So, and um, but yeah, 35 movies were all from the 80s. Okay. <laughs> five from the 70s, five from the 90s, and two, uh, four from the uh, the noughties and oh. but and beyond. You know, because obviously, fucking Robert. So what have we <laughs> we so where where haven't we gone yet? So we've got do we go further back? Well, we haven't done sixties. So there's Night of the Living Dead. We could go not we could go to the thirties. Go Nosferatu. Yeah, there's loads there's, of stuff, man. There's, there's loads of um. We could, well, I think we should have a little pop at going a little bit further. Maybe maybe I don't know what I think Swarm is seventies. We could have we could have a look at some old mo- monster movies. Maybe yeah, go back to go. Cool. The Wolfman or something like that. We've got plenty of time. We've got another five million episodes to go, haven't we? So. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, 
But I was going to think, I was thinking back and I'm going to look back through all of our episodes and looking at like my favourite sort of moments and movies that we've done. And there's definitely a few that stand out for me. Yeah. Um, Like One Cut of the Dead was probably one of my favourite moments of just actually, had, actually watching that. I had that down as well. <laughs> I wrote that down. Yeah, that was just awesome. And it's just such a unique sort of cinematic experience. I just absolutely loved talking about that movie. Because that, that was episode 20, and that's One Cut of the Dead. And our movie from the vault was um, Return of the Living Dead. So yeah. <laughs> how cool is that? So that, that we had the, 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 the fun of watching One Cut of the Dead, which was just outstanding. And then we got to review a Stone Cold classic, 80s classic. Um, all round, talking about that was just... A, yeah, I had that down as one of my favourite episodes, episode 20. Yeah, fucking right. Good talk, yeah. Um, I think um, Midsummer was obviously when we started talking about that. I, think I got I, that down as well. Episode 32, I think it was, or something like that. 31. 31, sorry. Um, and then that was just, like, phenomenal moment. We didn't do... A, I think we didn't do a move of revolt from that one. No, that, that was, just... was because, um, obviously, in that uh, last year, we went to the um, zombie infection um, immersed kind of um oh, it was your birthday treat we yeah. went to, we went to birmingham and did this at the um, immersive inspection zombie infection it was great yeah and that that was awesome and that's what we reviewed alongside midsummer but again that was just awesome because we got to talk about midsummer for ages and that was good 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 fun we've had some of our mates on there like you know obviously doigi and uh dan on the podcast as well as well as uh geordie paul as well yeah yeah yeah, and that was one of my favourite episodes going back, like listening to the um, It Chapter 2 with Dan. That was, that's a cracking episode. And uh, even when Paul comes on board for when we talk about Class Newcomb High, even yeah. though that episode we had a dud on, that was one of our big duds, Venom. Well, oh, yeah, but it, it, we, we clawed it back because that, that was the first time I've seen Class of Newcomb High. Yeah. And I fucking loved it, and it was brilliant. I absolutely when, loved it. I was so... So chuffed that you loved it. Because you thought I was going to hate it. <laughs> and yeah. I made you think that I hated it. And then I went, I absolutely fucking loved it. <laughs> and didn't expect that at all. Well, there's that, those moments like Night of the, like watching Night of the Comet for the first time. Oh, mate. Yeah, that, that was cracking. Night of the Creeps, I think, was like after I've that. I've got that. Well. No, episode 19. Um, that was quite a good street. 19 and 20 were brilliant. So not, episode 19 was Night of the Creeps. That was I put that down as one of my favourite episodes because Real me. Yeah, exactly. With the man, the legend. Um I really, really enjoyed that. Just just watching it and talking about it because again, um that was just so much fun. So much fun. Well, it's all the interviews you've done as well. If you think about it, like we you sort of met like and talked to Shauna McDonald from the descent. Mm-hmm. That was a great moment. Um, James Bear in mind, these are all these are pretty much at conventions, and the pressure is crazy. And I've never done anything like this really before. As no, well. It was great. Sorry. It was great to hear you, man, and like see the progression. Like James Jude Courtney as well. Yeah. Obviously really John nice. John from Alley Cat, um, and then obviously Richard Brake. Yeah, that was cool. Fucking what a moment! That, that was fun. awesome. And then obviously with me, I I interviewed Walt Flanagan. So. But we won't talk about and that. Also, you were put, <laughs> yeah, but you were put on the spot with that, mate. You weren't you you weren't even prepared. They caught you unaware, and you did a great job. So, and remember, you were starstruck, mate. That was like one. This that was one of your your kind of 
big things is, is going to the stash. I can and, barely listen to that. Me talk to him though. It's, yeah, but, it's... I know, but you know, it, you did it, and it was crazy, man. And and you know, that's the thing you'll remember for the rest of your life. And you've got it recorded as well. We've had some brilliant intros as well, mm-hmm. like from some guests. That was that's one of been one of my favorite moments is putting the intros at the start. Like yeah. the the list is great. Like David Norton, obviously from American Wealth in London. Adrian Barboa, hers is still a sexy ass voice from the fog. We had Serena Vincent from um, Cabin Fever. Yep, you sure did. The great Walt Flanagan and Mike Zapsick from uh, Comic Book Men. Um, Catherine Mary Stewart from yes. the Night of the Comet. Wow, that was epic. Richard Brake recorded one for us. Dan Fogler's is fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that was great, Danny. Uh, Kane Hodder, yeah. as well. Oh, what that was guy. cool. What a guy. And then obviously James Jude Courtney did us one. And then the, one of my favourites, the Soska sisters. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome recording that because they did that about seven times. It was fucking ace. I've still got the original recordings. Just, yeah, again, again, again. Yeah, mate. I I, I think that's good. We've been. It's mate. Honestly, um, when we started this, like. A lot of it we'd been talking about it for a couple of years and then i'd gone through some shit just before we started and it was something that i really needed mm. to sort of do to have sort of like a distraction and sort of crack on but what we've it's been so much fun the last couple of years and we get we have some good listeners we've had about um i think 5500 downloads of all the episodes and stuff over the last couple of years so that's been fantastic some mm. good numbers more than we'd ever thought you know yeah, I mean, like, like I literally love the fact that people listen to the podcast, and I, I, I really, really do. Uh, but also, even if I didn't think I, even if I have one listen, I'd still do it because it's just fun chatting about shit, and it's good fun, and it's a hobby, and it's not, it's not a chore. It's, it's just really good fun, and it's, it's what we do, isn't it? We, we love horror, and that's why we do it. Yeah. Uh, if we, if it stopped being fun, we wouldn't do it anymore. No, and we're still cracking. I, I've even liked. I mean, I know I'm not with you now. This is like the last three episodes and stuff like that have been, yeah, it's been through, weird. through Skype and stuff like that. Um, but it's working, and we're doing stuff. And we're not going to stop, man. We're not going to let no yeah. coronavirus be us, mate. Fuck that shit. Yeah. And it's presented other opportunities as well. Yeah, you know, you've got, we've got quite a few. We've got, we've got to see the positives. Yeah, busy couple of months actually. Yeah. If we, even if this stays like through Skype, uh, and that's the way we have to do it for the foreseeable future, we have got some exciting um, bits and bobs coming up for the actual pod for us personally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, it's going to be interesting over the next like fifty episodes and stuff like that where we take it. Um, and we got, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but we've got an interesting launch. For uh, for for this pod for this pod, mm-hmm. so I'm guessing they would have seen it. You know, if they've da- if you downloaded it, you would have seen it by now. So we got a new logo and uh, designed by the fucking awesome John from Alley Cat Graphics, and it is fucking sick. Oh my god, man! Unbelievable, man. Uh, John really really pulled it out of the bag with this one. He he offered his services to us because he listens to the pod and when i you know he asked us for some rough ideas didn't he and like we gave him a few ideas i had no idea it was going to be this fucking good not to doubt his abilities 
but you know, uh, he drafted something up. Well, not drafted. He did something up, sent it over, and it was fucking perfect. And it was just like I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, this is everything and more than I could have that we could have asked for. I was just like, I showed you, and you're you were fucking stoked, mate. And it was just like massive, massive thanks to you, man. It's just like it means yeah. so much. It you really don't, does. You don't even understand that much. Um, and it's great to have you as a mate uh, and a listener. Um, because obviously John does his own business of pin badges, coloring books, pillows, and, and other other bits and pieces that everybody should go and check out because he's a fucking aw- awesome artist. Um, well, we, so we, it was such a weird journey with John because, like, mm. we we um, obviously you buy, you've, been, you've been buying his pins, yeah, all right, and then you bought me that pillow, the the um, critters pillow, which yeah. is fucking great. And then I started like checking out some of the merch and stuff like that. And then next thing I know, I'm wearing. I did. I I had a badge on my bag at John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yeah, when we went to watch John Carpenter live. Yeah. And then next thing I know, he's. You know, we were just about to run off and doing. Oh, we forgot we did the interview with um, Matey Boy from Search for Darkness. Oh yeah, okay. But yeah, but like um, uh, and he he was there, and we just started chatting, and then next thing you know, business cards, and it's like what? And then you start seeing him at the conventions. And just chatting and stuff like that, and then we got <laughs> just buying shitloads of his stuff. I got a couple of his VHS rarities. I got the yeah. Jaws one. I got the Thing. You know, it's just he's a fucking. Gr- it's such an interesting concept and so unique. Yeah, yeah, totally and uh, yeah, and he's done our logo, and I'm fucking made up. I honestly, yeah. it's fucking great. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Let us know what you think. Yeah, you know? yeah. Positive step, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's gushing. Should we have enough gushing? Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Let's get to... Should we, uh, should we get on to some fucking news? Let's do it. Right. Well, shall I bring the news or have you got anything? No, you, you go with your stuff. i got a couple of bits, but... All right. I'll, 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 try, I'll bundle through. <laughs> I'm just, there's a couple, obviously, announcements that... Because, obviously, everyone's stuck at home... You know, we've got some more stuff that's interesting. It's interesting movies that have dropped onto some um, streaming services. Like just a couple worth mentioning. It follows. It's just dropped onto Shudder. So Ooh. fucking hell, that's got to be worth. That's got to be worth the. You know. Mate, that's it, worth the subscription alone. It's thirty tri- thirty day trial at the moment. So just go and check that one out. Uh, Dark Light that we caught at um, uh, Fright Fest. Fright Fest. Um, by the what, great Padre Reynolds. Yes, with the, by the great Padre Reynolds. You, you've been doing some sexy little poster art for that, which was <laughs> really awesome. That has just come on Netflix. I know. Oh, yeah. What is that? Um, as well as uh, another movie that we reviewed, Child's Play, the new yes, one. Yes, yes. The new one, and that's definitely worth checking out because I did enjoy that last year. All so, I'm saying to people out there is, before you go hating. Just don't. All I would say is just don't go in with the expectation of of thinking you're going to get something like the original. Try and just open up your mind a little bit, and you know, see how it is. But yeah, it was good fun. Oh, yeah, good little good little movies added. Um, there is an awesome thing that I saw on bloodydisgusting.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a brand new board game, um, a Trivial Pursuit version of called the horror ultimate edition coming this autumn that looks mad now get it over here mate it's it's thing is it says coming this fall i need this in my life 
Um, the thing is, it'll only be you and me that will play it. I don't care. That'll, <laughs> that'll be fine. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get a few people in. You know, even if we do an interactive True Pursuit. I don't know how that would work. Yeah. I'd, have, I'd, have to move, I'd have to move the counters, maybe. Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah. I don't know. You'd, I'd, maybe I'd hold the question up to the camera for, for my go. Could Not be. really sure. Maybe I just host. I don't know. But it, I need it in my life. That's absolutely all right. It, it looks good fun. It looks really cool. Um, got some. Yeah, we said this is a dud. Venom, let there be can't, which has been delayed to June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. So, if you care about that, um. <laughs> This is awesome. We are... I think it's today. Is it today? No. I don't know. Is it the 40th anniversary of Jaws this week? Is that right? It's coming up, yeah. Or the 45th. It's, I think it's the 40th... Because obviously it's 45. Two, two, what time, 1975 it came out. You're a big fan. <laughs> yes, yeah, 1975. So do the maths. It's 45 years. Right, Correct. so it's the 45th anniversary this year and they are bringing out a limited edition um 4k ultra hd version mm. it looks interesting i mean it's got loads of like extras the making of jaws the shark is still working uh jaws the restoration deleted scenes and it's got some additional blu-ray lovely little bits of story draw board production photos marketing i mean if you're a jaws fan it's probably worth buying but i don't know this one feels like it's filling a gap till the 50th anniversary Maybe, um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think by the looks of things, it's 4K. I don't know how good the restoration is going to be on it. But yeah, I think you're right. It, it, I would love to see like some kind of super duper like deluxe edition. I'm not no, sure I like the, yeah, I'm not sure the artwork's all that interesting. Yeah, so. it's not great. It just looks like a pretty bog standard release. And I think you're right. I think 50 years will be like a big, nice kind of collector edition. Maybe, but I haven't got 4K Ultra HD anyway, so there's no point in me getting it mm. unless I buy a new TV in the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the point of that? Um, Paramount are developing a sequel to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Of course, Quite interesting you news. Yeah, I mean that's got that's got franchise written all over it. So it was it was it's gateway horror. This is an argument. Teenage horror, I don't know. It's scary as balls, but I think it's still aimed at around the 10, 11, 12 mark, in my opinion. But we're yeah, still... yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. But yeah, good good gateway horror on for that one. Um, Charlie Steed, we mentioned this vampire movie last yeah. time. Yeah. And you said there was a werewolf one. So I found the name of it. It's called A Werewolf in England. Okay. So that's in post-production at the moment. Yeah. So we need to watch out for that one. I mean, to be honest, I wondered if this if this one would be the one that would have been at Fright Fest if it's in post production. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, but um, I love a good werewolf movie. Right, he's he's good as well. He's really good, old Charlie Steed. Yeah. Um, and then last bit of news: the there's a new movie from Olivia Wilde. Obviously, we had last year we had a movie from her called Booksmart. I don't know if you saw that. It's sort of like a quirky little teenage. Oh, she directed it, yeah. Yeah, she directed it. Do you Most see it? Book smart is. I know it's not horror, but it was fucking one of the best comedies I, I saw. Know. Hands down, I fucking pissed myself. And I'll tell you now, I haven't laughed out loud at a comedy for a long time. I'm I'm telling you now. 
the and duo were this. brilliant. The and duo was brilliant. like, yeah. it was just so different, and it was it wasn't the same paint by numbers, but yeah, that's fucking awesome. I love that film. Well, she's getting another stab at the uh, stab at the onion. That's not a saying, but it is now. At the onion. If you like. Um, Brilliant. She's having to go at a psychological thriller called Don't Worry Darling. Um, With, it's basically being described as a psychological thriller about a 1950s housewife whose reality begins to crack, revealing a disturbing truth underneath. But reports that Florence Pugh. Shia LaBeouf and Chris Pine will be in that will be in that movie. Not a bad little cast. Little mad mad Shia. <laughs> He's a bit quirky. But the lovely Florence Pugh. So she is badass. So that could be interesting. She could be driving that movie again. So that's cool. Excellent. So that is I bought the news. You that's did bring it. a lot of news. I got I've only got like a couple of bits. My first bit is uh, that leads on quite nicely um comes from with new york currently being hit hard by coronavirus new york-based company a24 has decided to lend a hand by auctioning off some of the memorable props and costumes from their movies including horror films hereditary midsummer and the lighthouse all proceeds from a24 auctions will be donated to four different nyc-based charities how cool is that Mate, I saw this and thought of you instantly. I knew you'd be all over this. <laughs> I'd love to get some of that, but no would chance. Like, would you like the the head covered in ants? I think that's gone. I think um, uh, the guys from the Boo Crew have that head. I'm really? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, mm-hmm. They're massive collectors. They've got loads of stuff from Hereditary, I'm pretty sure. But um, I'd love some stuff from Midsummer. You know. What would you like? The little pube drink, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right the pube drink not the dress you know you want to you don't want to have that dress yeah, imagine that dress that'd be worth loads mate worth yeah. loads but yeah that's quite cool um the only other bit of news um that you might have seen on my instagram post i literally broke the other day finally and i got the rick baker book yes i i don't really want to talk to you right now because i can't see it unless you unless you look through the pages look through it page by page <laughs> so mate it is on my shelf right now it's uh, not on display i can't see it it'll be very freaky behind your yeah it's camera. massive um two volumes uh it's called metamorphosis and it's just literally spellbinding how much how much did that set you back wow they were going for quite a lot um i'm not going to disclose the price that i got it for <laughs> um but they 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 are going you can get them but you can pick them up at the mo- moment that i know that you can get it for around 95 quid at the moment um but it, it's just worth every penny because i put i put the post on instagram just because i was like i'm in awe of it it's just amazing it's beautiful and um rick baker actually um messaged back on my picture and just put thanks a lot and i was just like and it's a thanks a lot i hope you enjoy and i was just like and i know he runs his fucking instagram account it's him it's really him and i was like <laughs> i'm literally fucking i could have cried that was just interview <laughs> oh my god he's amazing he's Mate. absolutely amazing and i was just like so thrown back by that well, you've yeah, been that having a bit so of, much. 
you've been getting diving into some animation as well this week, haven't you? I have to give you a big congratulations to your little new little venture. Oh yeah, I, I, little poster transformation. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's just like I found out this kind of new application thing that you can, you know, make posters come alive. And I've just been like, because obviously being in isolation stuff to do, I've just been doctoring a few kind of posters that I think that should come alive, and it's just like. It looked, some of them look so awesome. I'll send you some that I've been working on later and they're just fucking awesome. Okay. The, one just, on... the artwork's amazing anyway, but when it comes alive, it's, it just looks, it's, this artwork looks like it's alive anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little hobby I quite like doing. The dark light one looks sick and the mm. and the bliss one, oh. It's cool, isn't it? It's hell, really man. Cool. Yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. But other than that, that's that's all the news I got, bud. That's all the news I got. Right then, let's get to it then. Let's start our episode fifties main review. Okay, so this week we're heading to VOD and we are reviewing We Summon the Darkness. So three best friends embark on a road trip to a heavy metal show where they bond with three aspiring musicians and head off to one of the girls' country homes for an after party and then shit gets weird. Mate, shit gets very weird. Mm. Um, so this movie stars Alexander Daddario, the lovely Alexander Daddario, all right, hold tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, Maddie Hassan, and Amy Forsyth. That's sort of uh, the main the main crew. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I mean, what did you think? I saw the trailer for this movie, and I thought, "Wow, this is well in my wheelhouse." And I was like, "I think I even sent you the link to the trailer, or said something to you about the trailer." You did. It's like this ticks all my motherfucking boxes. Heavy metal, chicks in leather, rockers, gore, blood, and special effects. I was like, what more can you ask for? Mm. And then I watched the movie. It's a bit of a boob. <laughs> yeah. I, I what? It's no, no, it's not. It's not completely shit. No, absolutely not. No, no. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's shit or rubbish or anything. My opinion is completely my opinion. But for me personally, I just felt it was not really even a slow burn for me. And it just took a while to get into it. It was slightly predictable for me. Um, and also, I just felt like it was just a bit kind of polished and a bit cheesy i don't know i don't think it's not the acting it's not the acting that was a problem for me i think it's the writing i just were i just was not captivated by the storyline it it i felt like johnny knoxville was totally just there for a payday um you know maybe he was hard up for a bit of cash um (laughs) i yeah i just yeah, let's 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 talk about. Hey, I think we watched a different movie because, um, I mean, I thought it was good, clean fun. I thought like the polishness of it wasn't too bad. It did, it worked. You hit a nail on the head. Good, clean fun. 
if it, it, it was it was just good clean fun um good bit of blood but good bit of gore some interesting deaths and some interesting uh some interesting prop use that i think we'll, we'll talk about in a bit um the acting was fine alexander dairy doesn't dial it in i think she's she's quite she she could carry it but like i don't know it was it, it just felt a bit middle of the road I maybe bored. i was bored a bit middle of the road there was just not enough there was too much chatting. Like, do you remember watching um, Death Proof? Mm. But the dialogue's actually decent in Death Proof. There was sort of yeah. a lot, of, a lot of chatting, but not enough. That's Tarantino is just like, but yeah. his good, his is good script writing. This, it was just like, I just felt like it was just too polished and too, too scripted. It was like when they're talking about their experiences about bands, it was just, I was just cringing. It was just it didn't feel it didn't feel cool to me it felt just really really kind of like i know i know it's a, a, a totally different film but um when we watched that um kind of the one about um the swedish black metal band what's it called we watched lords recently. of chaos yeah lords of chaos when we watched that like even though it's not meant it's kind of quite tongue-in-cheek in places that was cool because the way it was shot was clever and pieced together and it was just i know this is a different movie and maybe this is a different movie and it's meant to be a bit more light-hearted and a little bit more happy-go-lucky but i just didn't feel that they were actually in that time and actual fans i just didn't relate to it i just couldn't relate to it i just it was you know it wasn't like watching something like dazed and confused or almost famous and where you connect with characters and you kind of really kind of get on board and you're with them it just felt yeah it didn't feel real to me I, I exactly agree it did not feel for like the first half an hour it's like oh oh this is in the 80s yeah this is supposed to be in the 80s and like for all these like for all the mood and i don't know if we have a go at that because we obviously there's a big 80s renaissance and stuff like that maybe they've jumped on that bandwagon but they got the the style of the movie wrong they made it like you said yeah. it it's it's too clean for mm. to be a sort of like 80s flick um and i'm not i'm not saying that they should ram everything down i'm not saying they should fucking like um they should um kind of like ram the 80s down our throat with like loads of things from the 80s to go oh look at the 80s they're showing this film and they're you know they're using this and they're using the vcr and they're using that and i don't want i don't want to okay. be I don't. I hate to use this term, but I don't want to be stranger thinged on it every film I watch. I would have been. I, I would have happily been stranger thinged in this movie, <laughs> to be honest. I call it stranger fingered. Right. Um, I, I felt like I could have done with a good stranger finger, to be honest, in this in this movie. I just felt. You've had enough, you've had enough strangers fingers. Mate. <laughs> but uh, like, I don't know, man. The acting was dark. I didn't. I just the characters. I just didn't associate with. But I kind of. It was. It was fun enough, and like I did enjoy. I just, uh, do you know what? I just thought I stuck with it, obviously, and I thought maybe it's it's going to just go and get to some really crazy kind of cool gore, or something's going to happen. There's going to be a twist, massive twist. And... Well, the, the twist is kind of read in quite quickly, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When they when they, it's like like oh, we thought you know, did they kind of push you a little bit in the direction they thought that maybe the boys. Yeah, but okay. I knew that that wasn't going to happen. You know I, mean? I knew they were going to flip reverse. Okay. I knew it. I, and I guessed that, and I shouldn't have. And that's not from watching trailers or anything like that or reading anything. 
I literally know, knew hardly anything about this movie apart from watching the trailer like once. And and I, I just thought, I thought maybe this is going to lead down the road of a kind of devil cult. Maybe there's going to be some prosthetics being used. But to be honest, you said there's some quite cool kills. I, I wasn't I wasn't really convinced. I didn't think the special effects were that great. All right, there was maybe not the kills, but like there was a good. There wasn't enough killing, like that you could see. There wasn't a enough lot of strangling. There was there's a lot not of enough blood, slashing, but yeah. not really anything else. No, there needed to be something. Like they had a use of, they had a great tool, but they didn't use it. This is in the best what way. I think you're onto. I, what right. was it? It was a boat propeller, right? It was a boat motor. She yeah. picked up a, a boat motor. And I'm like, oh, I could, at first I thought it was like a, a trimmer or Rastrum, a trimmer. Something like that, something. Yeah. But I was like, yes. What are they doing it's with it? It's going to go crazy. I know. I thought they could, you know, but they obviously haven't got a good effect. Well, maybe the special effects team, don't know, didn't have the balls for it. But there was, that was a, a, a brain dead moment. Had it written all over it. You know? well, that's the thing I thought. Oh, here we go, here we go. And what what happened? The lads are strapping like... the, the lads are strapping up bottles and smashing them off. <laughs> She's got a boat propeller. I was like rubbing my hands. Here we go. It's it's been fifty five minutes into the film now. There's been a lot of spiel. Been a lot of few drinking games. There's been a lot of you know tete a tete between or you know both threesomes. Here we go. We're gonna get some crazy shit happening, and it just fell flat for me man i just yeah. it just fell a bit flat and i was a bit gutted because i was looking really looking forward to it um and a lot of people out there were saying oh this would be a great double header with satanic panic and i'm like what satanic panic is le- i don't want to be like bashing other people like comparing people to people but like satanic panic is leagues above this uh, yeah and and to be honest there with, the, with that reference point like the fact that if you put the two movies together, mm. I can see that maybe this one be like a, a little amuse bouche before you watch like the main course, which is Satanic Panic, where you go, oh, that's you don't that, want that. to fall asleep and you want to get to the good stuff. Don't bother with it. Well, <laughs> it's sort of like Satanic Panic's how you do it, how you do a movie. Yeah. This one needed that sort of influence and it didn't have it. I, just, I think the storyline just broke down as well a little bit and it just, it just stopped. Like at some points it was like, right, okay, what are we actually going to do now? What are we going to do now? How are we going to, you know, how are we going to? I'll tell you one thing that was interesting was um, was Johnny. I found personally Johnny Knoxville's character quite intriguing. Um, I thought he was a an absolute bastard. I thought he's played well as a bastard, um, but like in a in a preacher, you know, like the the TV show preacher sort of way. He's just kind of like he was dark and foreboding but mysterious there was there was a level of mysteriousness for me there um but i needed him to be a bit more than just put his hands around someone's neck exactly i think that he should have been used more mm. so maybe they only had him for one day's sh- one day shooting maybe budget constraints stopped that i don't know but Dario's big isn't she yeah i mean they watch crap. bloody san whatever that san francisco crap that we watched the other year <laughs> that was quite a while ago True detective. <laughs> Easy. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a fairly, a fairly I mean, budget movie. Yeah. I, I just like, I'm just like, I, I wanted more. I wanted a yeah. little bit more. They just like, they, they, they add a few 
good ideas mm. just didn't deliver them the way that I wanted it to be delivered. I, I just don't know. I think they just kind of like teased it a bit and then kind of pulled back from it. And it's just like, and again, maybe it's budget constraints. Maybe they didn't have, like you said, this, the amount of, they couldn't do the amount of special effects. Maybe they didn't want to. Maybe they want, I mean, what age rating is this? 15. Was it a 15? Maybe they maybe they toned it down for a 15. Maybe they wanted to get a target audience, younger people. I don't know. But I just found... Are you it... saying that we're too old for this movie? No, not at all. <laughs> I just think they, they want more people to watch it and maybe that's why they put it down to that. I don't know. I really don't. I just... I, I didn't fully enjoy it. I felt bored. I was a little bit just... Yeah, and I was excited for it. I'm, I, I went in completely blind. And um, with an open mind, and I just didn't really enjoy it that much. I was just like, I really, really tried to think of positives and think about right, what do I, what do I really like about it? Um, and I found it hard to kind of find things. Yeah, I'm mate. I'm with you. Um, I'm not. Um, I just yeah. I just I, there was something not missing yeah there was just something there that wasn't there and that was and that was annoying to be honest um because i it had it has so much potential um but oh well you know episode 50 we got a bit of a boob i think this was supposed to be a quiet place too <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> on, on the schedule but we didn't really get that but you know i i did, I did have like i wasn't like oh this is amazing but it was like middle middle of the road I think it's a little bit more the middle of the road. I think it's a bit less than that. A bit less. You're you're being a bit kind. Okay, well let's 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 finish. Stop the loving (laughs) that we're giving this movie, and let's hear from your rating. Then I want to know what you're going to rate this. I'd probably give this four breaths out of ten. All right, I I I said five because I don't know. There was just like I like the Johnny Knoxville character, but you know maybe there just could have been something different. I just needed a little bit different, but well, it's not bad. It's about the same as Venom. <laughs> All right, Matt's not impressed with that one. What have we got for next episode? Right, mate, it's just, that's, that's just me. No, mate, I love the honesty. I really, I really did. You know, I didn't think it would be your cup of tea, even though you're the metal boy. <laughs> you would have been chasing the scorpions around and stuff like Trust that. Me, if I was going to do a gig scene, it would not have looked like that. No, that is not what a gig looks like. That is not what a gig looks like when you come out of it. And no, you think of the ranger. Think of the makeup and that. You know, they, when they, when you can get it right, you can get it right. Why not? You've got you've got people who get it right all the bloody time. Surely somebody went to a gig out of that whole freaking cast. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I maybe, maybe I'm just getting too old for this shit, and I'm thinking. You know, these guys, they're young and they're playing kids from the 80s. And I just think it's just like, it's just it just felt, yeah, it just felt like that was a bit more. It was like, oh, let's just do the, the standard 80s kind of kids. Yeah, let's drink beer. Yeah. Uh, just like they could have just, yeah, just yeah. anyway. I don't know. There could have been some, you know, they're bl- proper blood and guts. There could have been a fucking lawnmower scene, <laughs> like brain dead in it. That's all I was. Bit Maybe was like, there oh, is. What? Maybe they had to cut it out. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I thought, come on, she's got to use it against Johnny Knoxville. Like, and it happened. I was like, Christ. I know, mate. I know. 
Oh well. All right, right. Well, moving on, moving on. To let's uh, let's forget about it. We got something. We got something special coming coming up now. So um, I will hand over to Matt for our something to scream about. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? We were very, very lucky um, to have an interview with Dan Martin. Now, some of you might not know who he is. If you don't know who he is, you're, then that's crazy. But anyway, he's a very, very good special effects artist. And he, he is uh, one half of the Arrow podcast. Um, and I was very lucky to sit down with him because we're all in isolation at the moment. I reached out and he was really, really nice and kind enough to give us an interview. So if you don't know him, he's been involved with so many special effects and so many different movies. Um, he's worked on Lords of Chaos, High Rise, um, Ravers, uh, Color Out Space. Um, and absolutely loads and loads and loads more. I don't want to spoil the interview, so here it is. Welcome to Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Good, good, good. Um, and how's isolation going with you at the moment in these weird times? <laughs> uh, it's weird. Um, certainly, I'm... Um... Uh, I don't have any actual work on, but I've been going down to the workshop once a week on my own uh, just to sort of potter about, get some workshop maintenance done. Uh, did a bit of fiberglassing last week. Had not expected to ever miss fiberglassing, but it was weirdly cathartic <laughs> going back to it. Um, and then in the house, um, yeah, I'm lucky. My wife uh, and I have a friend in our spare room, so a bit, bit of extra company, not winding each other up too much as a result of that. And I've got we've got a little garden as well, so, uh, you know, I could have it a lot worse. Good times, good times. So I kind of want to go way back and kind of like find out a bit more about you with your horror connections. And can you tell me where your first kind of memories of horror started? Yeah, I was um I wasn't really allowed to watch television as a kid. Um we had a TV in the house, a little fourteen incher that my maternal grandmother bought for my father as a sort of trolling of my mum who didn't approve of TV. Um and so I'd sneak down I'd set an alarm for like one in the morning and then I'd sneak down and just watch TV all night, whatever whatever I could see. Um uh, and so obviously things like Videodrome and, and that were uh, with Alex Cox were quite an education to me. Uh, and then when we eventually got a video, uh, like a VCR, uh, I'd borrow tapes from friends and uh, we only had three tapes. My my family only owned three tapes, which were like a Tintin movie, an Asterix movie, and then The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover by Peter Greenaway. Um, so I watched I watched that every night for like months. I just come down and rewatch that and I oh, I fucking love it. I still, to this day, I love it. I just, I'm, I'm, it's a rather sadly bare bones release, but there's a Blu-ray of it now and I, I rewatched it for the first time on Blu-ray recently and it's, oh, it's just so beautiful. And then, yeah, and then as soon as I was able to to, to get my hands on, on tapes myself, I think I was, I can't have been much older than about nine or ten when I managed to get hold of a copy of uh, Pet Cemetery and The Serpent and the Rainbow um, which I got off the same man on a market down in Winchester who, oh, Obviously, just didn't give a fuck that I was a child. <laughs> um, and again, watch them uh, constantly. I, I remember using uh, 
using parcel tape to rip the labels off them so that you couldn't tell what they were so i'd like put the put parcel tape over the label on the on the spine and i'd rip them off and i took out the sleeves the the covers and folded them up and hid them away so i just had what looked like tatty old tapes uh and then and it hid them around my yeah around my room and <laughs> so I want to get into kind of special effects and kind of and kind of where your passion came from for kind of special effects and where it all started for you. Well, I was uh, like really, really young. I was a magic nerd um, and I was really into sort of like sleight of hand, close up magic, that kind of stuff. And there was a um, there was a Channel 4 TV show uh, called Secret Cabaret that ran for two seasons. Um, a magician called Simon Drake, who was sort of one of the first horror magicians. Uh, and I was sort of obsessed with that. And around about the same time, uh, I got a book out of the school library um, on like the history of monsters in Hollywood. Uh, and then at the same time as that, that was around about when school, like the adults at school started saying, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, well, in my mind, it made sense that like I like magic. Special effects was just magic for film. So I was like, well, I just want to make monsters. And they said, well, that's not a job. You can't do that. <laughs> and at what age would you say you were around, around that time? Oh, I, to be honest, it's really hard to place. I was, I mean, I was under 11 because I cha- I left that school when I was 11. Um, so yeah, like 10 or 11, I guess. When you wanted to do that sort of thing, when you approached, did you approach your pa- parents about this? And were they very supportive about that? My parents have always been really, really supportive about that kind of stuff. Um, far more supportive than about what I actually make effects for the most of the time. I think my, my, my mother's seen like maybe two or three of the films I've worked on. Um, yeah, like TV stuff tends to be a little more accessible to her, but she doesn't like horror at all. Uh, my dad's a bit more open-minded. But they've always been very, very supportive of the arts. Uh, I mean, my sister was a trapeze artist when I was starting in my special effects career. So yeah, whereas my my father's a physicist and my mum's an architectural historian. So they were yeah they were really really supportive. Um, and when I was when I was very young, uh, we were at the Theatre Museum in London, which doesn't exist anymore. It used to be on the corner of Covent Garden, and uh, they had someone doing like sort of face paints and a bit of makeup effects there, painting my sister's face up, whatever. And they said, "What do you want?" And I said, "I'd like to look like I've been in a car crash." And they said, uh, they said, well, I haven't got that kit with me, but my boyfriend does casualty. If you hang around, he'll be coming by after we, uh, when we're closing up, if your parents don't mind waiting. And he can, he'll have his kit with him. He can do you some out of the kit like makeup effects. And obviously, I, I insisted that we stayed, and he came by. And um, at the time, he made uh, some of the materials, some of the makeup uh, materials that were being used. He had a company that made the stuff. And um, and he gave my parents his phone number and, and address and stuff. And I could phone him up and he'd talk me through stuff. And every time it was my birthday or, or Christmas or whatever, that's all I wanted was makeup effects stuff. Um, so, you know, very basic to begin with, just liquid latex and scar wax and fake blood and that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's that's where it all started, I guess, as, as far as the hands-on side goes. Awesome. I never thought it would come from, like, the casualty series. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, I mean, I think... Yeah, like that. Like as far as accessible blood and guts goes, that was that was that was great. It was pretty graphic that program. Actually, come to think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's a, there's a, there's one episode that played. I must have been in my like uh, late preteens when it when it aired. I think someone gets run through with a forklift truck, which is that's that happens in Fango Balente. <laughs> like 
that's that's proper like Italian Italian horror stuff. And then there it is at like six thirty in the evening. I don't know when Casualty played. Actually, it can't have been much later than that. No, it was it was around that time because I I just vividly for some strange reason I always remember the episode. And this was more grotesque to me was where there was a kid. Um, and he was watching the darts and he wanted to get back so quick to watch the end of the darts that he zipped his balls up in his flies. And it, it, <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting. Oh, wow. That's amazing. They showed it as well. And I was like, it was like, you know, like something about Mary style. It was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it, it, that shows it. incredible. So, you know, obviously you had kind of like the magic side of things and the effects of that. And kind of growing up, who would you say would be kind of your inspirations kind of that you would kind of look up to or inspire to be? Well, the, I mean, the first, I think a lot of people, particularly who got into sort of like horror effects first, the first at around my age, the first name they knew was Tom Savini. Um, so whereas like, you know, now looking across the industry he was super instructive and 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 formative for me knowing about his stuff but he's not quite at the level of people like baker and patine and you know and winston but but he was very very good at marketing himself and very very good at putting himself out there and he did those books the um uh what are they called grand illusions one and two uh, and they were like they were like a bible to me but then also there was like a there, yeah and then there was a comic book shop uh, in my in my town, which you know, sold the sold like kits, like slightly shitty Halloween kits. So there was like a before I uh, met Glyn, who made the stuff, the casualty stuff. I was buying these like you know rubber noses and grease paint stuff from a comic book store, and then I think probably the same comic book store was where I got the first Grand Illusions book, and that was amazing. It was full of these hand done drawings by Tom showing like you know how they do drop down bodies so they could do a, a spear coming out through someone's back in the friday the 13th movies or like the the arrow coming out kevin bacon's throat all of these things and, and it was amazing it was like seeing behind the curtain so yeah t- he was definitely probably the first the first uh like big name i knew of fantastic i've seen also out there have you seen the new rick baker book I I have it bending my shelves. It's an absolute beast. <laughs> no, I, I was so tempted. I just couldn't drop that amount of money on it. But it looks beautiful. I, I, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. Every page is just like thick, glossy photos. It's so beautiful. So you've worked on so many film and TV project, projects. And, you know, obviously I can't even start where you started and stuff. But... What would you say throughout kind of your career? What what's the hardest challenge that you've come up against? Uh, I mean that's that's really really difficult to to put my finger on. Every every job brings its own unique challenges, um, but often those you know those are the most fun bits. If it's something you know you know you've done a hundred times, then yeah you may not get so stressed out. But also it's not going to be as exciting as doing something new. Um, I guess that the kind of wavering middle ground between super cheap, where they're just happy you turned up, <laughs> like right at the beginning of your career when you're all just kind of in it for fun, and then when you get a little bit further along and suddenly there's a little bit more responsibility, but you still don't have time for like tests. <laughs> so it's got to work the first time, and it's got to work the way you imagined it's going to work. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot that hangs on those things. Those are probably the most stressful moments. Fantastic. Yeah, I can I can imagine like as well when you get these problems that occur 
it's finding the ways around it to kind of make them work as well is one of yeah. the hard things. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, there's up at the the top end of stuff you know you practice and you prepare and you test and you test and you test and then when you actually do it on camera it's the nth time that you've done the trick so that takes a lot of the a lot of the stress out of it but um but there are there's there's always things there's always aspects that are sort of chaotic there's aspects that that will do their own thing especially when you're working with liquids and pressure and all that kind of stuff yeah, I can imagine the time as well that you've got to do it in. I can imagine the time pressures as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, often if you, uh, you'll find that a, an effect will get left till last, and then you're suddenly trying to do, you know, a three-hour application in two hours. You're trying to get like a like three shots done in in forty-five minutes. It's, yeah, it's crazy. And and what and, and out of all the work that you've done, what would you say? The, the, it's probably most of it, but what would you say is that you're most proud of? Um, probably the the best moment was uh, on High Rise when we did uh, the the skinned head that Tom Hiddleston has to has to deglove. The production had hired a um, a consultant pathologist to to sort of be on call for me to to phone up and chat to, and we talked on the phone a fair bit. Uh, and he was with me on set. We were up in Belfast shooting that sequence. We were over in Video Village watching the first peel on camera, the first time it had been done. Uh, and I'd done a little class with Tom the day before, showing him how to like how the material would react to him and how he should grab it and what kind of pressure he should use and all that kind of stuff. But this was the first time he had ever actually done it. And and as he peeled it, the, the pathologist who was next to me, uh, to himself, not to me, to himself under his breath, just went, perfect. <laughs> they call cut like you know 60 seconds later they call cut and i hear ben from the next room ben wheatley just going mr martin what have you done <laughs> yeah I, I wanted to chat obviously about some of the product projects you've worked on and stuff you've worked on and uh top of my list was high rise and free fire um how how did it come about working with ben um so i did a short film with Ben that my wife co-produced or sort of like you know main produced um so basically the fright first uh, festival was going to have John Carpenter coming over this is a few years ago now and uh they decided that they were going to do a series of short films uh where different directors would make a short movie homage to John Carpenter based on one of his movies. And my, this was my wife's idea. She pitched it to Fright Fest. They were, they were game for it. They, they put it all together. And, um, uh, and they shot five of these things. Uh, Sean Hogan did one. Mark Price did one. Uh, ben Wheatley did one. And Ben's one was uh, Assault on Precinct 13, reimagined as a zombie movie. And uh, they needed an effects artist, and I was lucky enough to have my wife be producing these things. So she suggested me to Ben, and I met Ben and Andy Stark, uh, the co-owner of Rook Films, with Ben and uh, and Ben's regular producer, and um, and I got on with them, and we did the shoot, and it went really well. And I got a phone call, like you know, less than a month later, saying, "Oh, we've got this picture coming up for Studio Canal called Sightseers. Um, we liked what you did on the short. Would you be interested in coming in and talking about it?" So is he, does he come back to you about other things? Have you got anything else in the pipeline? Or we've done we've done loads of other bits. I mean, now that Ben's Ben's doing a load of stuff over at Netflix, and that has sort of all paused now for the new Tomb Raider as well. So I don't know if I'm gonna 
get to travel across to Tomb Raider. I know that, for example, with High Rise, not a, not all of Ben's regulars got to travel across to that, and I was very lucky in that Ben kind of strong armed them into into using me when they, I'd never worked for RPC Reported Picture Company before, and Ben basically just introduced me to Jeremy Thomas as the guy that was doing the makeup effects. So that was a kind of given but then i didn't get to do rebecca for netflix so you know he i I know he i know he tries and we we definitely get on i've done other films for his production company that aren't him obviously uh, in fabric was uh was rook films um ah steve O'Rum's picture with the monkey monkey dialogue that was rook films um and even uh possessor with brandon cronenberg out in toronto last year um, Andy Stark was a producer on that, I, and I don't know if I don't know if it's technically a Rook picture or if it's just Andy working on it. But but so yeah, Andy's been a, an absolute linchpin of my 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 rise. Fantastic. I want to move on as well to Lords of Chaos because um, I only watched that recently. I got around to watching it, and my God, what a film! Those effects are just fantastic. When I saw them, it just rocketed into my top five movies of that year. Oh, uh, thank it, you, man. It was just fantastic stuff. What what effects were you involved in? Were you involved in most of those? Yeah, we the only stuff that we quoted on and then didn't do was the animal props, which ended up being done by the art department out in Hungary just for cost reasons. Um, yeah, so we did the build, we did the life casts in England, and we did the the make in England, and then I'd fly out to Hungary and do stuff, and then fly back, and then I had a fantastic local effects artist who was my key prosthetics person, a chap, Hungarian chap called Daniel Hamuri. Um, who would was my right hand when I was out there, and then did took like was in charge of some smaller bits and bobs when I was when I couldn't be there. So he did some day to day stuff with uh, like cuts on Dead's arm and that kind of stuff. Um, and he was there for the 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 wrist cutting on stage. He he ran that for me. But then I was there for the suicide. I was there for the stairwell killing at the end, all that kind of stuff. Oh my word! That that stairwell killing, unbelievable. That's just crazy. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's another great example of a of a, a very long shoot and everything having to happen right at the end. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. The um the body double who played um Aronimus, uh who played the soles of his feet for the shot where you see his, his feet all cut up, um was uh he was in the makeup chair two floors below where we filmed that sequence. And then I had to give him a piggyback up two flights of stairs so he wasn't walking on the prosthetics <laughs> to get him to set at like sort of three in the morning in this old Hungarian building. Oh my God. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Also, I'd love to talk a, a little bit about uh, Colour Out of Space as well. Um, oh yeah, man. What, what was it like working on that um, with Richard Stanley and, and Nicolas Cage? And, you know, what, yeah. what effects did you do on that one? It was that was amazing, and I so I owe that one really to Courtney Anderjar, who was the one of the two production designers on Girl on the Third Floor, um, and she she recommended me for that, uh, and we just had Possessor delayed because of an uh, an accident with one of the cast on a previous film that delayed our shoot, um, so I had this little I had this gap, and I had a, a full crew standing by, and. Um, and I got a phone call saying, hey, we're doing this picture with Richard Stanley. It's based on a Lovecraft uh, a Lovecraft story. Would you be interested in, in reading it? We need you to sign an NDA, you know, all the usual stuff. Um, and obviously I jumped at the chance. 
and it, it just fit in really really neatly um i i called a friend of mine lee cranston who's a costume props guy does a lot of theater does a lot of tv as well fantastic uh fabricator he came down and he ran my fabrication department so uh all the uh all the all the familial mutation he um he he des- he designed the the undersuit so uh tom tui thomas tui who's my sort of mechanist um and i uh played around with the insides of that uh we had a fantastic creature performer called lucy ridley who was playing the creature um lee designed uh the undersuit which which modified Lucy's body form, uh, and then uh, McGregor Allen and Ricard Ramos and myself sculpted the creature's body and head and face, um, and then myself, Dan Goma, Tom, uh, and a couple of others fabricated a skin over the body and sort of tied everything together. But then it all had to be as- shipped in pieces out to Portugal and then assembled on set. <laughs> Um, and Tom made a really lovely remote control face for the little boy. So he was there sort of, you know, operating that with a little remote controlled set. Lots of prosthetics, obviously Nick's rashes and all that kind of stuff as he starts to starts to break down a little bit. We made all of those. Uh, obviously the alpaca stuff. Really fun miniature puppets. Can you tell us anything about Possessor? I cannot wait for this movie. Um, I, I have to be obviously quite oblique. Um, I, I was lucky enough to see it at, um, Delane Lee in London. Um, Brandon came over to do the sound mix in the UK, uh, and Martin Pavey, who is a, just an astonishing, uh, sound designer, um, and who did, you know, uh, In Fabric and all of Ben's films and, you know, just, he's just this amazing, amazing sound designer. And so him and Brandon were were sort of hammering that out, and then five minutes after they locked, I sat down in the in the screening room at Delane Lee and watched the whole film on my own, uh, on this huge huge screen, absolutely booming speakers. I, I I don't know what to I don't know what I can really tell you about it. The the cast are, out, are phenomenal, and we do some lovely messed up shit. <laughs> I just can't wait. Oh, I'll tell you I'll tell you a. I'll tell you a fun thing about it, uh, which is non-narrative. When we first sat down, Brandon and I, to chat about it, he said, uh, anything you do... I, I, I gave him a usual kind of spiel, which is, look, I'm I'm not... Obviously, I'm a practical effects artist, but I can design hand-in-hand with visual effects. Um, and, it, and if there are going to be any visual effects, it, it always behooves the film to have those conversations happen as early as possible so there aren't any nasty surprises at the you know in post-production. Um, I think that traditionally the best answer is to have as much on camera as possible and then to tweak it and adjust it and composite uh, when you... And, and Brandon kind of said, look, that's all well and good and I you know, I respect that, but anything you design for this that needs VFX, if we can't do it without VFX, we're changing it because we're not having it. We're not having any VFX. So there's, a, there's some really nice like psychedelic stuff that probably would have been easier to do uh, digitally but it's all practical. <laughs> That's really good to know. Really good. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to that so much. Can't wait. Can't wait. So um, obviously last year was a good year for you. Um, uh, whereabouts were you when you found out about you getting nominated for the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards for Best Makeup Effects? Um, uh, Travis uh, texted me about it 
Um, yeah, he, which was, you know, he's he's super sweet. He's been really, really supportive all the way through all of that. Um, Courtney, her sister, Hillary, uh, the two production designers, uh, Travis and myself all lived together while we were shooting Girl on the Third Floor in a, in a little apartment, like a little, like, bungalow opposite the... Um, the house the quote-unquote real haunted house <laughs> that we were filming in um and so we yeah we sort of cabin fevered fevered into quite a good friendship quite quickly yeah i was really really excited that travis had been nominated uh for, for best newcomer and uh, and it was really really exciting to be to be nominated for the uh for the effects and i in absolutely in no way begrudge mike marino <laughs> for winning for dead don't die mike's astonishing so yeah it's just really nice but no that must be that must be great to know um because especially when it's fangoria as well it's just like i don't know about you but for me when i was a kid growing up reading yeah, that, that's just unbelievable but i voted for you anyway so there you go oh thank you very much <laughs> but yeah girl on the third floor I, you know i watched that movie um and i was blown away by the effects on that one and and the house is just so interesting yeah just everything but i gotta say one of my favorites was the marble um effects with the under the skin stuff and, and everything i just thought that was fantastic that was really yeah that was really fun i was when i got the phone call so uh the, the production studio mpi has a uk development guy uh called giles edwards who used to be at metrodome in the uk my wife used to be a consultant uh, like a sort of on retainer production consultant for metrodome um and so i know giles through that and he when he moved over to MPI he was chatting to Travis about Girl on the Floor as it was coming up and Travis said I've just seen a movie called Lords of Chaos I was wondering if we could try and get the guy who did the effects for Lords of Chaos uh, and Giles was like well I know Dan that's I could just call Dan so they phoned me <laughs> uh, and sort of pitched me the story over the over the phone and the marble under the skin was like a key thing they're like but look and a big money shot is this moment here where the marble travels under the skin and i was like guys i already know how i'm going to do this it, it is it's already in my head you've you've tapped into something i'm going to i'm going to call you back and my workshop manager Roz Gomesall and i were unpacking from a job we just finished in wales called ravers which just came out recently and um uh, and I still had a load of um, like arm pieces for that that we that were left over, like spares. Um, and Roz had been an arm double on that. Roz had been a, a like a close up double for some of the effects. Uh, and so I said, okay, well, stop, stop unpacking. We're gonna we're gonna do this. I've got I've got a theory. And we did a test version of the marble leaving her closed fist and then running down her forearm. Uh, and we filmed that, and I sent it over, and and I got the job. <laughs> unbelievable it's so it's so good even even the kind of wall effects with the goo and just ah fantastic that was that was really fun uh courtney courtney and hillary uh managed a lot of the uh the sort of environmental house stuff i was sort of there making making sort of gore and goo uh and running slime and stuff but but a lot of the the day-to-day -day, like pumping liquids through plug sockets and all that kind of stuff was was courtney and hillary um it was travis's like big thing was this is going to be the wettest horror film <laughs> the um obviously that was shown at fright fest unfortunately we missed it at fright fest which we're gutted about um i take it you were there uh yeah yeah, yeah i was there for that one how did you get on how, what, what did you think about fright fest did you enjoy it 
Yeah, I mean, I've always always liked Fright Fest. I was going through some stuff in the attic the other day, and I found my um, I found my ticket for the second Fright Fest uh, second. in the attic. Wow. Yeah, I, I I I was at the first as well, but I can't find any can't find any uh, like souvenirs from it. But I've got yeah, no, I've got a, a I found a stash of old Fright Fest stuff up in the attic. I've got a uh, I've I've got a clear umbrella that I got given at the screening of uh, Battle Royale, um, which I think might have been might have been the third maybe Fright Fest, uh, and I've got. Uh, Paul Anderson's uh, baseball cap, crew baseball cap from from the first Resident Evil movie that he signed for me. Did you catch anything else at Fright Fest that you you quite liked? I managed to get to loads of good stuff. Um, I really enjoyed Daniel Isn't Real. I really, really like Come to Daddy. Uh, not strictly a horror film, but the um, Happy Face was probably my favourite of the festival. Yeah, it, I mean, it was technically a 2018 picture, so I'm really, really hoping it gets picked up. It's so good. I cannot wait to see that. I really hope it does get picked up. I really do. Fantastic. So as we close, I'd just like to ask you, is there anything that you can kind of uh, recommend whilst people are in isolation, horror-wise? It can be one of your movies that you've worked on, anything like that. What what would you say to dig out and watch while you're out in isolation? Um, I've been going back. I've been using it as an opportunity to get into stuff that I wouldn't otherwise, like, that seems like a, a big effort, seems like a task. So some of that's like long form Japanese war drama. There's yeah, there's a nine and a half hour Japanese uh, war epic called The Human Condition, which is unbelievably good. Wow. <laughs> um, which is really, really good. I've uh, I've put the brakes on buying physical discs just because, you know, I don't have any... Uh, we don't know how long this lack of income is going to last. But I did get a little, like, trickle of things I'd pre-ordered or ordered before it all happened, sort of, like, turning up through the first few weeks. So I got a nice stack of stuff from uh, Mondo Macabro last week, which is great. I watched, uh, watched Killer of Dolls the other day, which is fucking insane. <laughs> um... Which is sort of it obviously owes a big debt to Psycho, but it's super super weird. Um, it's like the way everyone behaves in it seems to have been decided by the like the roll of a dice, like emotionally from moment to moment. It's totally mad, and it's not it's not bad. Like it's not technically bad. It's just insane. <laughs> so yeah, I really really enjoyed that. And um, so if you could give any kind of advice to any budding special effects artists out there. What what would it be? Maybe one good bit of advice that you can think of. Um, watch making ofs, and and just keep making things yourself. Like you know, sculpt every day, draw every day, whatever your version of of that creation is. Just keep keep doing it because you know you get better every time you do it. It's a muscle, and and yeah, tenacity. Reach out to people. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine reaching out definitely yeah i think there's it's a difficult it's a difficult um it's a difficult balance to strike because i think a lot of people are kind of taught this fake it till you make it kind of attitude which can be very problematic but at the same time it's really important like it's important to know that you've got that you can that you need to grow that you've got places to go with your skill but it's also important to be like forthright and and be able to approach people i think the problem is that the the kind of like life that breeds special effects artists 
which is you know the, the the kids who are in their rooms watching movies and painting miniatures rather than out playing football is not necessarily the same life that breeds people who can like go up to someone at a party and introduce themselves and talk talk about stuff because you know often one side is quite introverted and, and you need that sort of gregariousness as well um so yeah just pra- practice people skills and practice drawing <laughs> there you go no that's good that's good advice i can imagine that would be helpful to people that's that's fantastic dan um thank you so much for your time really really appreciate it um where can people find you on social media um i'm at 13 finger effects on uh, on twitter and on instagram although to be honest mostly those are just pictures of my dogs at the moment <laughs> and if anyone out there is is uh feeling that their moment to shine has been taken away from them by this quarantine uh feel free to give me a shout on social media either either dm or uh, or, or publicly um either because you know you want some advice or just want to show me some work or whatever always always happy to talk to people that's very kind of you that's very kind of you yeah people were nice to me at the beginning <laughs> exactly you, it all comes back to us in the end and i must say i'm loving the arrow podcast i'm a big i'm a big follower oh thanks man so lo- loving the stuff. I can't wait to hear more from that as well. But massive thank you. It really means a lot to us to have you on. Um, and we wish you all the luck. And maybe one day we could have you on again. And good luck yeah, with man. everything in the future. Thanks so much. Cheers. Mate, that was fucking awesome. I, I can't believe you got to talk to him. That's fucking epic. He was so, so nice. And I, I can't believe, like, yeah, it was just great talking. I could have talked to him for much, much longer, but I didn't want to bang on about everything. Um, but I could have asked him some really, really much, much more geekier questions. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to bore the socks off of him. But it was well, so, what? so nice to have him on and I really, really, really hope and wish for him for all of the future uh, in, in future projects that he does. Yeah, man, what a nice guy. And if next Fright Fest, we we went to the the Arrow podcast, obviously, last year. I'd yeah. definitely go again. It was so much fun, and we got to ask some questions. And if you listen to Fright Fest special, Arrow's Fright Fest special, you might even hear a stupid question from me. And a, <laughs> and a stupid better, question a, from And Matt. a better question from Matt. <laughs> we actually, yeah, we actually got to ask questions at their, at their Fright Fest um, special live podcast, which was cool. But the, when we do actually go back to Fright Fest, because this year's probably not going to be on, we'll have to hunt him down. We'll go for a beer with him, yes. like he said on the interview. So we'll hunt you down. We'll, we'll hold you to that. We'll buy the beers and we'll have a chat. And, and it'd be nice to hang out with you, dude. But thank you so much. Yeah, cheers, bud. Right then. Time right, oh, then. for our movie from the vault. Gosh. my god oh my god 28 days later all i'm saying is after that movie review i'm so glad that you picked this one all right or jolly paul picked it i don't know you gave him a choice and he picked it but i'm so glad we got we got to talk about this 
Okay, so get to talk about this. Twenty eight days later is the two thousand and two directed Danny Boyle directed um, movie starring Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston, and of course Brendan Gleeson as Frank the taxi driver. And this movie, I totally forgot that he was in this. Totally this, forgot. All right, let me just finish. <laughs> this movie. Totally forgot. It's about a rage virus that goes wrong. A chap wakes up in uh, in London Tan, and the whole fucking world has gone to shit. And it's a we follow we follow we follow Jim on his journey. Right, it it is kind of well, not quite, but I tell you what, filming a movie like this now, at least the streets to be empty. I was gonna say I didn't I didn't really want to kind of like, <laughs> you know, seem a bit sick and stuff. But yeah, if you did if you were able to film god it'd be perfect time to film a, a kind of movie like that wouldn't it i think about the other one what they have done they've done similar to this before like american wealth in london where they had to clear trafalgar square but they didn't i think all they did in, in that one is they stopped the traffic yeah fucking me but you know this was filmed at like that, that scene on westminster bridge is mm. like am i gonna spoil some like no 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 carry on no carry on right that film is like like shot at like early doors in the morning um and just like they got a window of something like a couple of hours or something like that. if that yeah, if that, yeah i think they like literally had people stood on the side of the road just telling people that please don't just use this road and stuff like that well i was looking as well from the side and like i was so hard i was going oh can i see anyone can i see anyone and you know I, i'm sure you can but i just i couldn't they still couldn't see anything any movement no in the background fuck me this movie is amazing so where did, when did you first see this movie? Two thousand and two, at, at the cinema. I think didn't we go together? I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> pretty sure it was that. Yeah, or well, me, you, and um, my girlfriend at the time. Don't think she was even my wife. Um, we went and watched it. Um, I'm sure we did. Um, yeah, because I would have been living in. I don't know. I would have been living in Swindon. I think I moved to read in the year after so yeah i I don't know if we were living we weren't living together at the time but yeah i would have thought we would have gone to watch this together we did did. i'm sure i definitely remember it uh empire we went and watched it mate remember like it was yesterday british horror at its finest i was blown away when i watched it i was absolutely blown away it it's from like the music that they that danny boyle puts in there to just like the shots the graininess it, i mean even now it's such a it is such a rundown movie like it's not like a polished i don't know if i want them to like restore this and like put that whole 4k edge around it well this was one of the apparently this is one of the big uh one of the first big movies to be digital digitally shot really yeah can't I didn't see. know that. I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. I really was. But um, yeah. I mean, I I've got it on. I watched it on DVD. I'll be honest. I got I got two different. I got two versions of it. I got a special edition, and I got a normal edition. I don't think there's anything extra in a special edition apart from you get a comic in it and um, some you get a commentary and stuff, which I'd really love to hear. Um, but yes, yeah, I, I stuck on a DVD, and um, it was pretty bad quality. Oh yeah, mate. My 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 DVD that I've had, um, I would have bought uh, the year it came out 
So this yeah, would have been. I've, I've owned this DVD since 2003. Yeah, so. Yeah, it not sound that long, but you I know. Do, that, I need it on Blu-ray. I'm disgusted with myself that I haven't got it on Blu-ray. I don't know if I do. I kind of like the graininess of it. I like the fact that it looks fucking old and tattered and mm-hmm. stuff. And, I, and you know, because it's kind of like I got that. It, it looks really bad. Sounds like, shit on my nose. I just I was yeah. like, I need it on Blu-ray. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe that's good because the sound makes this move. The tension building and that. Yeah. Fucking hell. I don't understand. I want to know what like movie won the best sound that year because it because mm. it wouldn't have been this one, but it would have been some shit like I bet Lord of the Rings was out at that time or something. <laughs> like that. Um, I'm I'm I just think the music choices for every scene were like perfect. Yeah, yeah. Not Absolutely. that it couldn't be better. Um, let's let's talk about. I want to talk about. If you, if you if you like if you can um the opening scene the obviously walking dead ripped off uh right there i i started reading um the comic in 2004 and it came the comic came out in 2003 and um i used to read the letters section like so i used to get the individual section yeah. and there was always that controversy there's always talks about the letters hacked Robert Kirkman never never saw Twenty Eight Days Later until after. <laughs> <laughs> right, well you go and you go and chat to that legend, you ass. But like it's obviously it's chalk and cheese. It really is. No, I'm lying. It's it's, <laughs> it's the same fucking opening. You know, Rick waking up in a hospital, Jim waking up in a hospital. It's the same idea. But Absolutely. you think about what the, an idea though. What what you can't believe. It's just it's such a great concept um, of just just you're like how fucking weird would that be? Because it's so clever. Because as soon as he wakes up, bang, you're with him. You're like watching everything he's doing, and that is the basis of a great start of a movie. Is that you're already invested in the first single character that you see. So you're following his journey straight off the bat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't, that's the thing. You always think that it's the, that's the first scene, but that's not the first scene, is it? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But this is what I'm saying with, with character building, with the main characters of your story. Yeah. yeah, if you want to talk about the first scene, go ahead. Not really. I mean, it's just, you know, a load of monkeys. It's it was very, up though, isn't it? it was very 12 monkeys. Uh, monkeys in a fucking cage it is really fucked up scene it's got prop and that blood and stuff like that um it's pretty messed up and it's like you can tell the intensity of this thing straight away from Mm. the time it takes to get a bit of blood in you and the time it takes to metastasize into something fucking mental and i and i've been told off by my brother but i'm not allowed to call this a zombie movie so (laughs) apparently i keep i'm not allowed to call it a zombie movie it's it's a rage virus it's a well, virus it, it the, 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 the virus apparently it was it's a zombie movie <laughs> it was um, it was based around kind of like the idea was based around ebola because you get reddening in the eyes um and you get sores all over the skin and stuff like that and that's what they based it on I mean, the, the yeah, the first time you hear him say they've been injected with pure rage, you're like it's pretty. It's like what? Nice, what? nice voice. <laughs> what does that actually mean? And then you're like, fuck. And then 28 days later, pops up on the screen, and you're like, 
see this poor guy's knob. <laughs> <laughs> it was gratuitous knobbage. There's a, you know, there's a. It, they love getting him in the buff, don't they? Everything he's in, he's got his ass out. Well, he was. This wasn't his only Daddy Boyle movie, was it? No, no. Yeah. Solaris, Solaris, Sunshine, Sunshine. All right. I don't know why I thought it was Solaris. Yeah, Sunshine was the other one, wasn't it? Very similar movies. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why. But like, um, he's great. You, you just, you want to, you want to, you're on his side. You're on his side from the start, mm. aren't you? Mm. Yeah. Um, when he's wandering around, even his... though you've seen his todger, you feel not... sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> you got me on his side. But he's just wandering around the streets of London, like what the fuck? That music sort of just like building, the tension sort of amping up, and then suddenly, boom, he makes a mistake. Then these fucking things come out of nowhere, and that's when... I was I had a conversation about this. I was like, why is he going to the church? I was like, what? What? What's that? The first kind of, you know, he didn't. He didn't go home. He, he kind of goes to the church, and I was like, well, maybe that's his church. Maybe he, you know. He's Irish, so he might be this Catholic church or whatever like that. Um, so, you know, there is an explanation for that. But I thought it was just a bit weird or maybe he's trying to find solace. I don't know what. But I thought it was strange that he went to church. Then, you know, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is that. But I love that scene. It's just yeah. crazy. There it's is another there, there is another movie and book as well where mm. possibly, you know, both these ideas were kind of, Bought, bought from Stephen King's The Stand. Mm, I'd say more. A lot of people say it's um, more Dare the Triffids. Oh, okay. I'm, mm. I don't remember. I don't remember that opening. I don't remember that. See, that's 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 is kind of people say it's a bit more like that because Ooh. he wakes up in the hospital apparently, and there's also kind of a standoff with soldiers and stuff like that involved. Mm. So it's not the first time, I mean, you know, but it's been done and it's a great idea. It's done very well with Walking Dead. It's written, it's written by, well by Alex Garland. You know, it's written by Alex Garland and it, it's just like, it's one of those, one of the first kind of movies in a long time where, you know, let's talk about the infected then, if you will, um, that they run at you. That they've got, they just, they're just crazy and they're just like, you know, we haven't seen you know, okay, maybe we do see them run in kind of what Return of Living Dead a bit and stuff like that. A little bit, yeah, they amble but more. But there's, no, there's not really any kind of movie where they proper just run at you. And I think that's what kind of made it even more scarier for me is that they are full on running at you. It's like that riot bit. And then, you know, you had Dawn of the Dead remake um, from Zack Schneider a couple of years later where they were running yeah, zombies yeah. as well. Yeah. And they were done, but it was done very well in there. But in in, in the 28 days later and 28 weeks later, the, the virus that they've got, the fucking intensity is just nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's something different. Um, there's that fucking great uh, bit of graffiti on the wall in the church as well. I know you're mentioning the church. Repent. The end is extremely fucking nigh. I and just that's fuck- where I'd read that writing. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to turn around and go the other way now. That's scary. But you think about it, like, that's what what was bashing my head all around watching this. What what state we're in at the moment. This is practically 28 days later since coronavirus. And, you know, obviously we're in a completely different state of affairs. There's not people running around fucking frothing at the mouth trying to eat your fucking face off. You know, we're, 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 we are at home and we are watching Netflix 
you know we're allowed to kind of it's just not the same but you think about from fruition of this virus 28 days to get to that point Mm. how quickly did it actually take over everything yeah i mean especially when you get to the soldier bit later and see and we'll talk about that a a bit later because how well fuck it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter really it's like they well even when you get to frank's flat Mm. and the trolleys and it's like they seem to be the only one in that fucking block of flats Mm. and it's like it's got to that state 20 within a month it's crazy because it, it seems like it seems a bit weird because it seems like the infected don't come out in the day it's like they're nocturnal almost because they they say don't they they say oh it's best to travel in the day even though they're still around um but they just don't seem more they seem more around at night but it, it just yeah i just thought to myself like with re-watching it, i was like surely if, if that many people were infected this, london would be absolutely they'd be everywhere unless most most of the people have, have been killed you know outright and not turned um but yeah it's, that is an inter- that is an interesting one because they don't really pop up a lot i mean you get a couple you know in, in, in the explosion for the the petrol station and then you get um you get a couple more um in the flats but so i mean is it is it the fact that a lot of people got out and evacuated or do you know what i mean but that is a good thing because there was a lot in the tunnel Mm. but still not like a lot a lot no no you are right it was a bit weird but obviously budget whatever constraints i don't know but like i don't that's i don't understand Mm. but obviously that they made up for that in 28 weeks later fucking hell you know when it all goes to hell but i do i do want to talk about um obviously naomi I do want to talk about Naomi Harris's character, Selena, because she's right moody when he first obviously meets her. Um, she settles and, down. <laughs> yeah, but this is the part, I don't. I can't remember the guy's name, but obviously there's three of them at the start. Mark, isn't it Mark? Oh, is it Mark? And, and, and basically that's just, it's just visceral, that part where there's obviously they're at uh, Jim's parents' house and obviously he finds them there, which they've obviously killed themselves. But like then that kind of all settles down and obviously he's he attracts uh, a couple of the infected by having a light on or a candle or something. But then obviously Mark gets bit or something, doesn't he? And she doesn't even give him two seconds chance to even say, I mean, he could have been cut by a bit of gla- glass, you don't know, it could have been anything. She was like, I ain't not taking chance. She just fucking killed him outright. I just remember watching that and going, whoa, that's like, I was just like, what the fuck? It's like. But again, she gets to that point Mm. in a month. You know? Mm. I'm with you, right? We're hanging about and it's just us surviving, right? And you you get bit. Am I going to mash your head up with a fucking machete within seconds? That's, it's nuts. It's yeah. absolutely well. That's what I got to do. Well, they said you've got like ten seconds, and they said eight between eight and fifteen seconds to decide what you're going to do. Ten to twenty seconds, it was like was it? Okay. yeah, ten to twenty seconds. They've said, and that's nothing, and that's what she had to do so quick. But like to get to that point when you got you get rid of all your humanity, mm. 
Do you know what I mean? And then they find it. I love these scenes, the sort of friendly little montage scenes and stuff like that. The fucking shopping in budgeons. Yeah, yeah. The night. It's sort of like you get you going on this like lovely little journey. Like you get in the dark and then you get like the Well it's everyone's dream, isn't it? You remember, yeah. remember that programme with Dale Winton? <laughs> what was it called? Supermarket, Supermarket Suite. Suite. Yeah. <laughs> And you got to go crazy down the aisles or whatever it was. Go wild in the aisles. Goes wild. Uh, but yeah. you think, oh, if I got a chance to do that, man, it'd be so fucking cool. And, like, yeah, they rock up to budgings. And, like, just literally... I do have to say, before, while we talk about things, I didn't notice it as much as this time watching it. But, fuck me, the product placing, like, in this movie is insane. Pepsi, Tango, Mars, Costa... Um, National Lottery, obviously, <laughs> uh, National Lottery funded some of it. Um, Maltesers, fucking, there's absolutely loads of, of other things in the background. It's just like, fuck, I forgot how much kind of I like, know. Is it, it properly does it in, in your face as well. It's like, it's blatant. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's brilliant. But also, I meant, no. But if it pays for a film, then fuck it. So, yeah. I mean, I noted as well, Alf Bohr and Frank, they, they find Frank. I thought that was quite funny when he starts talking about the whiskey and like Jim <laughs> just buggers off. Apparently that's like a real whiskey. And that, that is what he described as perfect, apparently. Yeah, it was a great, it was a nice description, but it just didn't, it didn't excite Jim a bit, any bit, did it? <laughs> <laughs> but you do that get that, cool you do get that lovely breath of fresh air. And then you still it get those. It's quite moments. funny. I find it quite funny how the Selena character switches from being the most moody bitch ever. Um, to being really happy uh, which i mean it shows that obviously she's found people that she can relax with and feel safe with yeah and she lets her guard down a bit it was it was really nice and like frank loved playing the dad i thought that was a great little moment where actually jim called him dad um yeah that dream sequence is crazy because you're like oh my god that's your like worst nightmare in it to kind of wake up i mean i'm like you're crazy sleeping outside anyway i would have been like sleeping in that fucking taxi um but yeah that that's crazy that dream sequence bit because you're like oh fuck and there's that there's that not not great nod to uh dawn of the dead in there as well them sort of there's that great nod to like Dawn of the Dead in there where they were like stopping for to get gas. Yes, I was going to talk about this. Yeah, they stopped with the same in the helicopter. That was a blatant nod, wasn't it? Oh, great. It was just such a fucking homage. And it's like Jim going in and then, you know, having to kill off the fucking little boy. It was fucking perfect. Even to the point where it's like, oh, uh, where she, I think she asked him, is everything okay? And it's like, yep. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's just like, well, they sort of reflect on that later and they reflect in Dawn of the Dead. They get that reflection where he goes on. I don't know if he tells about he had to clean, kill a couple of boys and he confesses that to the two. But Jim confesses that to the maid, uh, to the major later. Yeah. You know, it's just incredible. Uh, before we get on to the stronghold, I want to get on. To, I want to talk a little bit about Brendan Gleeson's change. Oh my god! And uh, so it's so sad because I always remember watching this film and I, on the rewatch, always thinking, "Fuck!" I love I loved him because he was like a, such a sweet character, and you think, "Ah, oh, 
he's going to go out swing because he's a big bloke and he wants to protect him. Like, they're going to, they're blatantly going to kill him off because they set him up. So, you know, he's the father figure. He's the, the big guy, you know, huggable, friendly, giant kind of guy. And I was like, I always think to myself, oh, I, like, I, I really hate, and I know it's supposed to make you feel this way, it's, it's this easy, but I really hated the way he goes out. But it had to be done. It had to be that way. Yeah, you do hate that scene. And, like, it's just the way he went out, like, with that blood just dripping off there. And, like, it was like a one in a million shot right yeah. in the fucking eye, man. And it was like, oh, my God. And he's... I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a fucking splendid scene. I mean, it's the way he acts and the way he just... Obviously, it takes a bit longer because he's so strong. He's holding himself back because he doesn't want to kill them and he doesn't want to kill his daughter so much and I just think it's so clever how he it kind of he lasts longer than like 10 to 20 seconds because he's he's that strong he's holding the rage back for them to to, to, to get the time to kill him and I just want such a clever scene such a sad moment and obviously then that's when the army boys present themselves and we get the the sort of lead up to the finale which is just fucked up man Mm mm-hmm Mm. I mean, 28 days. They're army boys. They are fucking army, and they're in that state after 20. They, they need they need a bit of, you know, well, all they all they need is women. Do you think that film would get made nowadays? No, I don't, and I don't believe that's the what it was the one thing that I struggled with. I think the most, not at the time of watching it, but definitely now. I, do, I just like I didn't believe it. I'm like, come on. I do. I will say one thing on Dalvin on my Matt's facts and this doesn't spoil anything this is one thing I read that, but I didn't cover it in my Matt's facts was that 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 decision to make that the plot point at that point was done pretty fast in the last minute almost I think it was overnight I just think they could have gone another way I didn't think they needed I didn't think they needed it they were all they they just seemed a little bit too doolally mm. already. Well, they they were they were dysfunctional, weren't they? I mean, it's like they weren't all really experienced. There's quite a lot of young lads in there. Um, but it, <laughs> I mean, it, it would it would have been, I think it would have been difficult to kind of you know with that late in the game because you're talking about the final act here. Um, that late in the game. Um, to kind of find a divide as quick as they could. So you have to find something that's going to divide them and want them to leave. And maybe they could have picked something different, different storyline. But I think, that, yeah, I don't know. I just think the whole thing could have got overrun and they could have gone another way. Um, I, just, I don't know. I think that probably was the original plan. It made them, it made, I'll tell you what, it did make them seem scummier. But, and like the fucking Private Mitchell scumbag, the Cockney. You know, he, he plays a great nasty bastard. He plays a great nasty bastard. He's got such a thick Cockney accent. Um, and it, I've seen him in a couple of other movies where he just yeah. plays an horrible bastard. He's great. <laughs> looking at movies and stuff like Rise that. Rise of the Foot Soldier. He's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just a nasty piece of work. He's so good at it. Um, Christopher Eccleston's great, you know, um, but he's a bit of a wet bag. Wet bag. I don't know. It just seemed like. They've got very... It's not what the army represent to me. Well, no, not, I don't think it's supposed to. I think it's it's supposed to be disorganised, isn't it? It's just like, 
is probably the dregs of what they had left. As yeah. An experienced, you know, he's a, for a start, he's a major. Is, that's, is that, that's not that high up, is it? Ranked major? No, my dad know. ranks as high. Yeah, it's, high, it's quite high. Oh, okay. It's quite high. So, I mean, but then, then is he just giving himself that title because he was the highest one out of well, them? Well, you know, the question is, are they army? Are they even army? They got, the, they got the uniform, but don't know. I know I mean, there's a bloke out of EastEnders there as well. There was. Oh yeah, I noticed him as well. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it was just fucking a bit weird. But like, it just went. It was like the the dregs. That's that sort of me to me is like six months maybe. If it had been six months, I could believe that. Is that how long you're telling me you could go without sex? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah. That's just disgraceful. Um, but I not well. To it's very rapey. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course it is. It's um, but like, yeah, and it's hard to watch. And it's, it's hard to watch, and um, but it, you know, then we get that fucking, you know, the, the Jim just running about. Is he infected? Is he not infected? Well, this is a love thing. I don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the film. Love it. But it's kind of Jim. Jim starts off. He's quite. He's quite a. Um, it's quite a fragile character at the start. Obviously, he's coming out of like a coma and stuff, and he's quite weak and stuff. But Selena seems like the the kind of hardcore person. So, but then it's kind of as it goes on, Jim. I always think to myself, Jim just turns into this hardcore bastard right at the end. What and how does he turn into this? But then, but the, I, then on the rewatch, I was thinking, wow, actually, he doesn't really do a lot of it because obviously he lets off another another nod to kind of, if you will, to Day of the Dead is the zombie they've got um, chained up in the uh, backyard. He yeah. does most of the killing, so he's quite clever because he's like, it's quite clever if you think about it because he kind of unleashes him and he does all the dirty work pretty much. Yeah, I agree. And then, uh, and then, yeah, he doesn't have to do a lot, but uh, it was awesome. And then he gets that, and then you get that, you know, that great parallel of him waking up again. What the fuck? What the fuck is he? Where is he woken up in? When they're in the Lake District. Oh, you skipped, you skipped a bit there, mate. You Go on, what? on. I want to talk about a bit more there. Go you, on. You've, you've, you've blown your load early, mate. Sorry, mate. Uh, the one bit that I, that I kind of noticed more this time as well is that, you know, when they take him away to obviously execute him. Yeah. And, and um, he realized this is, I didn't realize this, but obviously you think, oh, this is the end of the road. There's like literally nothing left. There's no one to help him. There's, there's no help coming. There's nothing. And that's when he's let down. He sees, he looks up and he sees the airplane in the sky. Yeah. It's the turning point where he's like, no, I'm I'm not having this. There is still hope. Yeah. Well, it's really clever, and it's just like, right, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna fucking be a badass. There was, I'm, and I'm gonna fucking eye gouge this bastard's eyes well, out. Well, I forgot about the eye gouge because mm. I always thought, obviously, Robert Carlyle's fucking eye gouge in 28 weeks later kind of eclipses that one. Mm. But that's they they did it in there. I mean, Robert Carlyle really digs his thumbs in it. <laughs> oh, it's such a sick scene. Oh, but yeah, it was like. Wow, 
And it's clever because I love, I, lo- I also love the fact that they don't know if Jim's infected or not because they like, obviously Selena's like gives it a couple of seconds and she's just about to kind of kill him because he turns around because he's like, he's going fucking mental. He's like, he's just fucking scratching and punching and, and obviously he does that. And it's like, has he got the rage or hasn't he? And it's just like, you think, oh no, she's going to fucking kill him. And obviously she gives it two seconds and he's, he's, he's actually himself, which I thought was, I love that bit. It's yeah. cool. They are the worst bunch of soldiers, though. Bunch of douchebags, man. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just questioning the fact that they are actually, I'd love to know what regiment they in, you know, it's just weird. I don't know. I just don't believe they are soldiers, but then uh, I don't know. I, 28 days. It's just like to get to that soldier boy. I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, I love the last scene as well. You know, yeah. that for me is quite familiar as well, where the plane's flying up because um, it's all there, obviously, in the Lake District mm. um, and I, I in some little cottage. And I recognise quite a lot of the quite a lot of the bits where the plane's flying in as well. I've seen planes fly that low uh, in that area as well. Yeah. It's incredible. So that was quite familiar. I love that end little scene. And, the you know, was it help or hello at the end? Hello. Hello. Yeah. It's just like that. It's that hope again. And mm. then it ends. It's great. Because mm. did, you, did you watch the alternative ending? Oh, no, I didn't. Because there is an alternative ending where it's exactly the same, but Jim gets replaced with a chicken. Sorry? Re- he gets replaced with a chicken. They don't show Jim. You you presume that Jim's died, and then literally it's just Selena and the girl left. Oh, yeah. so Jim's dead, and it's just those two. Yeah, and a chicken. And a chicken. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think Jim needed to be alive. I mean, that was quite a nice point. You, yeah, you know. absolutely. They were the right ending, I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I loved it, mate. Loved this movie. Absolutely loved it. Right. I loved this movie. However. I didn't like, I can't even remember the character's name, Brendan Gleeson's daughter in this, Frank's Actually, daughter. There's nothing to it. And she hasn't Her done acting is fucking atrocious. Well, she hasn't, she hasn't done much. So, yeah, she, I don't think she's got an IMD pick. Atrocious, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I forgot how bad it was. That's why I didn't mention her in the, in the lineup. <laughs> Oh my, I forgot how bad it was. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, did they run out? What, what the fuck happened on casting day? Fuck me. Was it like a, a friend for someone? Yeah, yeah, my daughter wants to do a bit of acting. Yeah, get her in, mate. It's fine. She didn't even know what she was. Cockney, Northern, what? Her accent was all over the fucking place. <laughs> Sorry, but I had to be said. All right, mate. Good, good, I'll good. I'll take one down, but it's a fucking class. <laughs> fucking good, mate. Love it. Love it. You want Go some on, fucking Matt's facts down your throat? Of course I do. Let's do it. So, they actually shot the M1 on a Sunday from 7am to 9am with 10 cameras set up and all they got was one minute of usable footage. <laughs> don't ask me why. I don't know. I ain't got a fucking clue. I did think that when they were like going through it all and stuff like all the different camera angles on the taxi. I thought it was funny. Literally one minute of usable footage. It's crazy. This is quite interesting. This is probably like explain why selena's so fucking pissed off all the time so danny boyle and naomi harris came up with a backstory for selena so they made up a backstory to kind of like you know give her a bit more kind of substance on what to work on with the acting kind of thing 
Yeah. So apparently the, their backstory was that she had to kill her mother and her father to save her baby brother. But then when she finds out her baby brother, she actually finds out that he's infected as well. So she has to obviously kill him as well. <laughs> Fuck That's it why out. she's so fucking pissed off, which is, which is obvious. It's dark. Um, Stephen King is a massive fan of this movie. Um, and apparently when he went to watch it, he, he <clears throat> bought our whole screen in New York um, just, in t- just for him and his family to watch the movie. And he's such a big fan that he took a line from the movie and he put it in the book, Doctor Sleep. Oh, wow. The line is, um, he needs us more than we need him. So he put that to Doctor Sleep, which was pretty fucking crazy. That's awesome. A lot of the cast of this movie, they cast a lot of athletes because they were thin and they could run really fast and stuff like that, which was quite interesting. Um, Originally, uh, the part of Jim was going to be played by Ewan McGregor. Um, but Danny Boyle and Ewan McGregor had a bit of a fallout apparently due to Beach um, the Beach the part was meant to go to Ewan McGregor but it went to Leo um, DiCaprio obviously um, but apparently they had a fallout everything's smoothed over now but he was supposed to be the part of Jim that I mean would that be in a different career path for fucking um, Cillian Murphy probably yeah, still exactly. got but I think this obviously launched it man launched it a lot I mean uh, Cillian Murphy been in a few films but this totally launched him, I think. Uh, I think so. Yeah, definitely. So I'm glad. I'm really glad because I think he's fucking absolutely amazing. Yeah. Ryan McGregor don't need it. Um, the petrol station blow up. This is interesting. Um, cost them £250,000 to do that. And it was like near Canary Wharf. Um, and they set it up, but they didn't notify police or anything. They <laughs> blew, blew it up. Um, and then they had like police come out and fire engines turn up and stuff. So that was quite interesting. Um, I bet he learned a few lessons from that. From that. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the, back to the the planes going over the Lake District. What you're on about? Uh, it cost them six thousand pounds to get that jet to fly in from Blackpool. I had to do it a couple of times, um, and it takes four minutes from Blackpool to the Peak District. The Lake District. The Lake District, sorry, yeah. Either or, Pink's quite close. It's definitely, it's definitely a Lake District. And my final thing is, um, fuck, it's said 61 times. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, that's some good facts there, mate. Well, that was good. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that discussion. It was perfect for this episode, perfect for the situation that we're in at the moment. <laughs> um yeah good good old movie um what are you rating it nine breaths out of ten yeah i got a nine i don't know why it's not a ten i think because that just that fucking thing, one i reason. couldn't get over it one reason i didn't get a ten and you know what that reason is because of her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine is the soldiers bit the storyline just doesn't follow oh, through off your high soldier ah, shut your fucking face right that was great enjoyed that well mate hit me with uh beat that then bitch what you got for me <laughs> Well, on the next episode, our movie from the vault. You ready for this? Uh, drum roll. Go on. That's a crap the drum. fly. What? David Cronenberg. Absolutely. Boom! Have we done a David Cronenberg yet? Scanners. Scanners, yeah. Oh, mate. I watched the fly in... Donkeys. Oh, mate. Like 30-odd years? 
It's been a long time since I've watched. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. No. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> when I was eight. <laughs> yeah, it was a young boy one, mate. Definitely. I think this is. I think <laughs> Three this is, young boys. Hey, this is a sleepover job for me. I bet. Oh, mate, I'm look excited. I'll have to go and uh, pull out a Blu-ray if I can. A Blu-ray. A Blu-ray. <laughs> a Blu-ray. A Blu-ray. <laughs> right, mate. That's a cracker. Oh, episode 51 is going to be a corker. It is indeed. Um, so I guess that leads us to the end of a great episode and a end of 50 fine episodes of Draw. Are we ending it? Are we rent- I thought we were going to end it at 50. Oh yeah, see you later. <laughs> no chance. No chance. We got a new lo- new logo and a new lease on life. Here we come. We can't wait. So on the next episode, our main review we is TBA. I <laughs> know what the fuck's <laughs> happening. See what happens in the next couple of ma- couple of weeks. Our something to scream about is movies that we thought were shit, but now. Oh, I've rewatched them and think they're better. That's the one. That was fucking mouthful. All right, there we go. And then our move from the vault. Matt has just pulled out the fly. Oh, can't bloody wait. And on that note, when there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. You can follow us on Twitter at Draw One Last. Instagram at draw one last breath or pop us an email at draw one last breath pod at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>